0: We are right towards the end of our Roman series. We've been uh, going through the book of Romans and we've been teaching through um, what Paul's been writing to the church in Rome. Um, Today's our second last week. Can you imagine? This, is, this, this, this series started at the beginning of winter. And the beauty of the fact that this series is finishing is it means that spring is just around the corner. That's why we do a winter series to help you to get through the cold times. And so as this finishes, we all get excited about the new series that's coming up. And I'll quickly give you a, a snapshot of it. It's our Spring Sewing Month. You know, if you've been part of our community, we've been doing a spring sewing project every year. Um, it's around, uh, usually it's around uh, generosity. It's about financial giving. Uh, this year, uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, but it's big. It's big. It's it's as big as last year, if not bigger. Um, but it's something that everyone can get involved in. So, uh, looking forward to that. And then after spring sewing, I'm just sort of throwing it out there. After spring sewing, we've got a series called guest speakers. Okay, I'm going on holiday because pastors get holiday four weeks annual leave, just like everyone else. Um, so my family, um, we're going overseas, and actually, I think five weeks in a row, um, we're going to have five different speakers from completely different um, spectrums. And there's no um, like common thread. And each one has asked me, hey, what would you like me to preach? And, and, and I've literally said to them, I want you to pray and I want you to pray for our church. And then I want you to preach whatever God puts on your heart. So I don't have no idea what they're going to preach. And I don't care because I'm not going to be here, right? That's <laughs> We're going to cut this part out of the recording anyway, so it's still. Oh, good. Romans 14. The Apostle Paul, the author of this letter, addresses the most important question that all humanity, all humankind must work out. And that's the question, are you right with God? Do you have a right relationship with God? Doesn't matter about your marriage, doesn't matter about your work, your future, doesn't matter about your health. Can I tell you, these are all secondary questions in our lives to the question, where do you sit with God the Creator? In Romans 1 to 11, Paul outlines how it is that we become right with God, that through Sin, we broke the relationship, but through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our faith in Him, we can be made right with God. So, uh, first 11 chapters, Paul talks about how we can be right with God. And the last five chapters from 12 to 16, Paul talks about, okay, if you are right with God, if you are right with God, if your sins have been forgiven by Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you put your faith in Jesus, how should you live? And he lays out this practical element of faith living. It's this balance, right? Of, we're talking about theory and practice. And today we're going to continue to look at that question. Well, if I'm right with God, if I'm a believer of Jesus Christ, if I, if I know that Jesus has died for my sin and Jesus is my Lord and Savior, if I know that. How should I be living my life? What should my life look like? Now, I'm going to put a little disclaimer out there. For those that know, have been coming to our church, uh, you would know that my voice sometimes is uncontrollable, the volume. Uh, sometimes, because of the excitement of what God is doing, or it could just be the Holy Spirit working in my life, sometimes I can yell. I'm just saying, I may yell today. I'm just letting you know. It's nothing personal. So don't take it personally. Don't go home and go, oh my God, the preacher yelled at me today. I don't ever want to go back. Don't take it personally. It's just me being excited about God's word. I remember when I was writing this, I was like banging on my keyboard. That's what I'm telling you now. Okay, I'm giving you the warning now. Okay. Let me ask you a few questions. You need your, your thinking caps on today. What do you think about Christians that drink alcohol? Some of the girls at the back got a bit nervous because they all have cups in their hands at the moment. It's like, what do you think about Christians drinking alcohol? What's your opinion? How about, (laughs) we're for it. (laughs) How about this question? What do you think about Christians driving Expensive BMWs. What do you think about that? Do you have an opinion about that? Should Christians get tattoos? I think Christians shouldn't get stupid tattoos, but you know... (laughs) Should Christians get tattoos? Now, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to provoke some thought in you about some of these issues. Because Paul's going to talk about this stuff. How about this one? Should Christians invest on the share market? Or is that a form of gambling? Should Christians gamble? What's interesting about all of these questions, okay, and I'm going to say it straight out, okay, there's no real black and white answer on it, okay? So let's just start with that. And let me point out something that's really interesting. There are people in our community, in our church, okay, don't look at each other if you know. There are people in our church that drink alcohol. (sighs) Not me. Of course not me. Jokes. I'm completely over alcohol. I have different poisons in my life. There are people in our church that smoke and not just cigarettes don't look don't don't look at me. How did they know? You know There are people in our congregation that have. Other church t shirts on. <laughs> I'm looking at you, brother. <laughs> you want me to go further? You want me to go? There are people in our congregation that actually enjoy watching AFL. <sighs> what do you think about that? It's the devil's sport. <laughs> Jokes. There are people in our congregation that on the census, when you had to write down occupation, they nearly wrote Pokemon trainer as their official occupation. You know who you are. You know, we have one of the most diverse congregations you don't get this kind of diversity anywhere. You know, the people you hang out with throughout the week, is, that, is it as diverse as this community? It's not. Usually you hang out with pretty similar people. You know, there are people that have been coming to church since their mother's womb. And then there are people that have been coming to church, this might be the first or second time. What's my point? The point is this. The church is full of different people from different cultures, from different backgrounds, that have different values, that have different traditions. They do things differently, and we call this diversity. And diversity in the church is celebrated, not tolerated. Let me say that again. Diversity in the church is celebrated, not just tolerated. Someone different walks in, you don't go, well, you know, I'll let them sit in my church. No, diversity is celebrated in the church. The church prides itself on its ability to gather people from all nations, different seasons of life, different socioeconomic backgrounds. You put them all in the same place for the one purpose, to love God and to love his people. This is what the church is known for or should be known for. Paul is writing to a a group of believers in Rome that uh, reflect this type of diversity. There are Christians that have come from the Jewish tradition. There are new Christians that are from non-Jewish background, the Gentiles, and they've put them all together and gone, well, this is the church. And Paul is writing his letter to them. And what Paul is going to say is that as, as people from different backgrounds and different ethnicities and different traditions, we're going to bring all of this mixture together and we're going to make it work and this is how we're going to make it work and that's what Paul is going to write about in today's passage now i need to make very clear a very clear distinction there are certain things in our faith that are black and white okay we call these closed-handed issues okay we celebrate diversity right but there are closed-handed issues that if you diverse off then, then then you put yourself outside of what we believe. Right? So for example, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If someone comes in here and says, you know what, I don't think Jesus actually physically resurrected. We don't stand there and go, Woo, hallelujah! We celebrate your diversity. We go, Woo, hallelujah. You might need to open your Bible. So there are closed handed issues, there are closed handed theologies that we hold on to, and we will will die on that hill. But outside of that, there's a lot of what we call open-handed stuff, right? Gray stuff, right? And that's what Paul's going to talk about. It's the stuff that we can disagree upon, and it's okay for us to disagree upon. Just because we disagree doesn't mean that we're not Christian, it doesn't mean that we're not loving, okay? It's the stuff that there's no direct verse that says, you know, thou shalt not murder. No one's going to go, well, murder is a kind of a gray area, you know, like, okay? It's, it's not that stuff. That's black and white. And what Paul wants to, to show in this chapter is this, how do you get along with people that have difference? How do you get along, okay? There's three things. Number one, accept each other. Everyone say, accept. Arnie, say, accept. Accept. Now, don't judge him because you need to accept him. Verse one, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over, listen, disputable matters. Disputable matters, okay? This is not quarreling over whether Jesus was the Son of God. No, that is not a disputable matter. That is a concrete matter. Accept the one who's faith. The first directive that Paul gives to us is the word accept. Paul acknowledges that there are those in the church who are stronger in their faith and those in the church who are weaker in their faith. That's what Paul's saying. Paul says that we need to learn to accept each other. The strong, the weak, and the weak, the strong. It said, because the church is a mixture of so many different things, you know, we're going to get disputable matters all the time. We're going to get these gray areas all the time. But Paul's first directive in, in how we deal with this is the word accept. In the early church, one of the big disputable issues was the was around the area of food. What you can eat, what you can't eat. And these were linked with the Old Testament laws. In the Old Testament, the, the Jews, the Israelites, they were commanded, there were, there were specific laws on what they could and couldn't eat. All right? You, you, couldn't, you couldn't drink blood. You know, you, you couldn't, That's right. You couldn't eat um, the, the mother and the child, same animal. So you couldn't have chicken and egg. I don't know, Nick, you just went blank on me. Nick knows. I'll ask Nick later. But, but what was happening was people from these different traditions were coming to church and they would sit down and have a meal. And some people were like, hey, you can't eat that. That's, well, not illegal, but that's that's not Christian. And they would be like, what? What do you mean that's not Christian? I can eat this. And there'd be these disputes. And food was actually a really big area. But what was happening was, not only were they sort of pointing it out, people started looking down on other people. going, Look at that person, still eating out of Old Testament stuff. You know, like still, you know. Doing these funky things, judging each other. But Paul responds, verse 3 The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt. Now, the word contempt means to make someone feel worthless or lesser than oneself. Contempt must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For what? God has. Accepted them. Okay? Paul's saying straight up, we need to learn to accept each other in these gray areas rather than judge each other or treat each other with contempt. Now, once again, I'm, I'm we're talking about disputable issues. You know, issues like, should we have drums at church? You know, issues like, you know, Should, I don't know, there's so many of them, huh? Should the preacher, I know, there's a good one. Can the preacher wear shorts? My dad will tell you, my dad will tell you that it's in the Bible, that preachers cannot wear shorts. (laughs) And I will tell him, show me where it is. And he will take the Bible and, you know. You know, I remember one, a big one. Got into a massive fight with my dad. Can preachers, or should preachers, exercise on Sunday? Okay, it wasn't really exercise. It was should preachers be able to play golf Sunday morning before they go to church? My dad really thought I was going to hell if I did that. Like that was that was a that was not a disputable issue for him. But here's the thing: what Paul's saying is this. These are disputable issues, so we, we shouldn't judge each other, all right? Our job is not to judge another Christian's behavior, hear me, that's not our job, okay? Our job is to love them, and the first step of that is to accept them, Okay? You may think I'll use this as, you might you you may think drinking alcohol is wrong, okay, and you see a fairly new Christian having a drink outside, is it your job to go and judge them to tell them to rebuke them, to teach them that hey, excuse me, I think you know you know I saw you started coming to church, and you know i don't know if Jesus would you know sort of want that, and is it your job no you, you, your job isn't to not teach them your your job is to learn to to Accept them first. Accept them first. Verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? Meaning look down on them, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will Give an account of ourselves to God. What Paul is saying is be more concerned. Be more concerned about your own life, about your own behavior, about the way you live out your relationship with God rather than everyone else. That's what Paul's saying. Because he's saying at the end of the day, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're not going to be like, you know what, God? You know what I saw my praise leader do? You, you, I know you know you know God's going to be like, what about you? God is more concerned that you are on top of your own game and life. Now, I asked Albert to bring this chair up because I thought I'd do something. Now, do you feel uncomfortable that I'm preaching from on top of a chair? Now, some of you may feel like, he's gone nuts. And I even feel like right now, some of you are like, I'm judging him. I'm treating him with contempt. Don't judge me. Because what if I grew up in a church, right, where the preacher stood on chairs, right? Now, is there anywhere in the Bible that says, thou shalt not stand on chairs while preaching God's word? no. Right? Now, is this weird? For you? Yeah, of course. Now, if I wanted to go one more step, I'm going to stand on the piano, but that's more expensive than the, you know. Right? Now, if I stack 10 chairs up, right, would you go, oh, is that a bit dangerous? Yeah, it might be a bit dangerous. But here's the thing. The first step, the first step. Now, remember there's three. Okay? The first step in learning how to be a, a, a Christian, a, to live out a life right with God is that we need to learn to accept each other. I I promise you, for the majority of us, for the majority of us, that's where we're at right now. We struggle to accept each other. We're not even at stage two and three. We struggle just to even accept each other. But that's the first thing that Paul says. That's how we're meant to live, to accept each other. Number two, to edify each other. The word edify means to build up. Okay? Here's the thing. If the conversation of disputable matters was to finish at acceptance and that's it, that actually is not the most loving thing to do. Okay? If we just accept everyone for who they are and just leave it at that, it's like, oh, just leave them. You know, that's just the way they are. Is that the most loving thing to do when we can see that maybe, maybe they're not growing well maybe they're doing something dangerous you know if someone comes here high on drugs right right and you kind of go well the bar you know doesn't really say too much about drugs or you know what Oh, okay let's just accept them let's just leave them for they are. and every week they just come high on drugs just every week on high on drugs, everywhere everywhere is that actually the most loving thing to do to just go hey man you high again oh that's cool man welcome back to church It's actually not. The second step is, once you've learned to accept them, you then need to learn to edify them, which means to build them up. Verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. This word edification literally means to build up through encouragement, he said, the most loving thing isn't just to accept people for where they are, but it's to help them to build from where they are. You know, Jesus, you know, there's that saying, right? Jesus loves you for who you are. Jesus accepts you for who you are. And he does. Theologically, completely correct. But he doesn't want you to stay that way. Because we're transforming. We're changing to be more like Him. Okay? If we just accept people for who they are without actually helping them grow, uh, don't you think that that's actually a sign of neglect? It's like as parents, like our kids, right? Like if if we just sort of let the kid be and we don't actually teach them, we don't encourage them, we don't build them up to become an adult, actually that would be considered child abuse. Same thing in the church. Now Paul uses... The issue of food, it says in verse 13, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Now, let me go back to the example of drinking. Now, by the way, I have no problem with drinking. I'm just getting this completely straight, okay? I don't think the Bible has any problem with drinking. Now, you, you get sloshed, okay? And if you're like, I don't know what slosh means. Well, that's a good thing because if you know what sloshed means, then you probably need to come and speak to me afterwards. The Bible says very clearly, don't get drunk. Don't lose self-control. Don't get drunk. Okay? So if you're getting sloshed, <laughs> then don't do that. That's, I, it's not good. But having a drink, no drama. Anyway, I really don't believe that drinking is a sin. My conscience is clear, okay? But say a new person comes to our church, right? New, young, just come to Christ, and they don't agree with me. They don't agree that drinking is a sin. They think drinking is a sin. They think that drinking is the doorway to hell. It's just one little step at a time, okay? what's the most loving thing for me to do? Is it go, well, you believe that, I believe this, and let's just live out our lives, whatever we want. Is that really loving? It's not. What Paul's saying is in that situation, even though you have the right to live out your conscience, what you're comfortable with, what you think is right between you and God, even though you can do that because of the other person, because you love that other person, that you would lay down your right to do what you feel like is correct because you love the other person more, right? And this is what we call removing the stumbling block, right? Removing the alcohol. The question isn't what is the right thing? What is the right thing? That's not the question. The question is what is the loving thing? What is the loving thing? In this passage, it talks about uh, weak Christians and strong Christians. And I had to sort of really sit and sort of think about, well, what makes a strong Christian and what makes a weak Christian? Right? Because I'm sure, like, you know, we would read a chapter like this and, and we would ask ourselves, and I think it naturally you'd go, am I a weak Christian or am I a strong Christian? What defines me as a weak Christian? What defines me as a strong Christian? And, you know, I read through the passage a few times and studied it and, you know, while I was preparing this message, trying to work out, well, what's the difference in that? Right? And I'm sure there are other different bits and pieces. For me, it came down to this. The strong Christian is the one that knows what they believe but is willing to lay it down for someone else. The weak Christian is the one that says, no, this is wrong. No, you're wrong. I'm going to stay. I'm going to do what I think is right. And I realized that's, that's the difference. That's the difference between what Paul is saying between a strong Christian and a weak Christian. Strong Christian, even though they can, they don't for the sake of other people. The weak Christian is more concerned about being right, the right theology, the right attitude, the right way to do church, the right way to behave, whereas a strong Christian is able to discern already for themselves what is right, but have the ability to lay that down for the sake of other people. They're willing to give up their rights so that other people can be loved and helped. Just like loving parents make sacrifices for their children, the mature believer sacrifices to help younger Christians grow. Paul tells us, verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. How's that? All these people turn up to church and this is what I think and this is what I think. This is what I think. Keep it to yourself and God. (laughs) You know, there's a saying, right? Everyone is entitled to have their opinion. Do you know what the second part of that saying is? Everyone has the right to have an opinion. But not everyone should voice that opinion. In these gray areas, we're allowed to be different. You're allowed to be different. You're allowed to have difference in your opinion. And difference doesn't mean wrong. It doesn't mean wrong. Your view, my view on different things, it doesn't mean you're worse or, or I'm worse, which is different. If I'm standing on a chair preaching and that. am I'm okay with that then that's just I'm okay with that you might not be okay with that it's just different but what Paul says is first you need to accept them and secondly you need to help them understand and help them to be built up so it'd be like you know you coming up to me and go Steve you know like I understand that you know as you grew up you know you stood on chairs but you know your your, your forefathers they were a lot skinnier than you <laughs> Maybe standing on and the chair and preaching may not be good for your longevity in life. <laughs> but you don't come out and go, you know, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. We accept first, and then we edify. Accept and then edify. Thirdly, after we learn to accept one another, and after we Edify each other. The third thing that we do is we please each other. Chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Paul finishes this part of the letter pretty much telling us that the way that we deal with difference in the church... The way that we we deal with different opinions in the church, the different styles in the church is firstly, we accept them. Secondly, we do everything we can to build them up, to encourage them and to edify them. And the third one is this, we, we please them and not ourselves. It's pretty much saying, don't be selfish. Don't live selfishly. Don't make your life about yourself and about your things. You know, how many times have we been in a setting, right, where, you know, that guy or that girl comes into that meeting and all they want to do is talk about their opinion, their thoughts, their ideas. And, you know, someone else has an idea, and that's a stupid idea, and, you know, and then imposes their, you know, agendas all on them. What's that all about? It's just about me being selfish. But what Paul is saying, we need to live with the idea that that, the, the goal of pleasing one another. And that comes back to the great commandment, right? Love God, love people. God never said, this is the greatest commandment love God, love people, and love yourself. God never said, love yourself. God never said, look after yourself. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, hey, and by the way, take care of yourself. Because no one's going to look out for you. No, that's what the world says. Why do we need to take care of ourselves? Why do we need to look after ourselves when we've got God looking after us? God says that our lives should not be about us. But the reality is, we're all very selfish. Selfish. We're very self-centered. But as people who have been transformed by God, we're called to not please ourselves, but to please others. You know, we, we have a lot of difference in our church. We do. And there are times where it does get uncomfortable. I don't think it's been the worst. Like I've been to other churches and I go, wow, this is, sometimes I'm like, wow, this is borderline like grey, black, you know. And I've had so many experiences in our church. Some people just turn up and they're like, you know, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and then you're doing this wrong, and you need to change it. You need to tell them to wear, you know, this kind of clothing, and you need to tell your band to do this, and you need to tell your your welcomers to do smile more, and you know, you know, like ah, you know, you need to serve this kind of food, man. And so everyone is entitled to their opinion, but but how does sharing that opinion build the church of Christ? It doesn't. Paul finishes with the word accept again. He starts with accept and he finishes with accept. And as I said, I think the majority of us, we're still there. You know, if, if, if someone was to say to me, hey, Steve, if you were to go, how many strong Christians do you have and how many weak Christians do you have? I'd say probably the majority of our church is still weak Christians. And that's okay. It's just what it is. You know, I You know, starting sort of from me, like there are times where I can't accept it either. But you know, like the the whole time, like I'm preparing this sermon, right? The whole time, I'm just thinking about our community. It's that diversity is not something that we, we just tolerate, but it's something that we really celebrate in here. And yet, you know what? There have been people that have left our community, that have come through our community and left because they have not been accepted. And I think Paul, and I think I've given you the tame version of the way Paul wrote this. I don't think Paul was this tame. I think Paul was yelling. I think Paul was saying, "How dare you? How dare you judge others because of the way they look, what they wear, how they worship, what they, what they, how they sing, what they do for a job." you know it's just in our minds hey it's just it's just the way we're wired you know someone walks in they they're wearing something a little bit different or they've just got like you know piercings like kind of like a dot to dot like you know like and hey and we've had them right you know i think god has blessed us with these people that that have come through our church and 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 have we got it right no i don't think so not all the time because i think if we did they'd be here But this is something we need to learn. And it goes back to this really simple idea. We need to learn to accept people because Jesus accepted us first. If Jesus, if Jesus was at a point where he was looking at our lives and he was like, well, what about this? And then what about this? And then what about this? You think Jesus would have died on the cross for people like us? No way. We are so quick to judge. We are so quick to put people in their stereotypes. We are so slow to accept. We are even slower to build up. And we are still very, very selfish. But as believers, God calls us to something higher. He calls us to a life that is higher than just making it about me. The whole point of of allowing, of surrendering our lives to Jesus is to say that I'm going to live for your will. I'm going to live for your plans. I'm going to lay down my thoughts. I'm going to lay down my agendas. I'm going to lay down my plans. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live for you. And no matter what it takes, I'm going to live for you. And yet this is, as much as we proclaim it, we just don't live it. Because everything about our lives is still about ourselves. What I can get. They didn't love me. They didn't accept me. They didn't, you know, hang out with me. They didn't give me time. They're not my friends. It's about me. Me, me, me. You know the most unhappiest people in the world are the most selfish people? You know that? Because all the, they're just consumed with themselves. But God calls us out of that. He gives us a purpose beyond just living a good life. And he, that's what he wants for you. A calling that goes beyond my own kingdom, but one that goes to serve his kingdom where all are accepted no one is neglected where we love God love each other a kingdom that is other centered not self centered and I really want to challenge you tonight I want to challenge you tonight especially especially if 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 you're like you know like, if you're, if, you're, if you're hearing this, right, right, and I am closing, if you're hearing this and you're like, man, I can think of the 10 people that need to hear this sermon, mm. uh, you're the weak Christian, okay? And that's not a judgment, that's just where you're at. And we love you, we accept you, and we will build you up. But if you're like thinking to yourself, right, if God is pulling on some strings saying, hey, you really need to hear this, Maybe it's the way you come to church. you know it's like, are you going to go to church today? Yeah, maybe. wow you you're gonna you're gonna make a decision based on what, based on whether you feel like going to church or not, whether you go to church, like whether you go to worship God, whether you go to serve people. it might not be true. What about life group? I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm going to neglect the family of God that God has put aside for me to to encourage and to build up because I'm busy. i got plans. i got plans. Oh, Arnie was so funny. The reason why Arnie is so big on that plans thing is because, firstly, Arnie doesn't have that many plans. And so when he makes plans, they're very important. But, you know, he makes a really good point. When people say, I might have something that day, it it, it means that what you're saying is, I'll pencil you in, but if something more fun or more important comes up, then I'll go to that. Thank you for loving us. (laughs) Thanks for making us a priority. It's rubbish. That's rubbish. Jesus isn't up there going, yeah, yeah, you made a good choice. We're called to love God and love people. When you're right with God, if if you're right with God, and there's no judgment whether you are or not, but if you are, then your life must transform in that way. It must be translated in your life, and the way that we deal with each other must change. And it starts with acceptance, and then it goes to building each other up, and then it goes to pleasing each other. Can you imagine if our community could really get this? Like really, anyone, everyone turns up, they're accepted. And then we love them and we build them up and we encourage them. And then we live for them and we, we try to please them, we try to serve them. What an amazing picture that is. Do I believe we're far off? No, I, I think I think we can get there. But it starts with individual decisions whether you choose to live out this life the way God intended it for you, to live out the calling God intended for you. Let me pray.